Welcome back, everyone, to week seven of the Moneyline Podcast. And boy, was it a great week last week. Like I said, I felt great about my picks last week. Right in the middle of the season is historically in the many years I've been gambling about mid-season week six, week five, week six, about when I hit my stride. And boy, we hit it last week, a 5-0 and week last week. I was on fire. Hope you guys made the picks with me because we made some money last week, a great week for us. That gets us back to 500 on the year, which is even money, 14-14-2 now. Aiming to go 5-0 again this week or just have a winning week in general, get us above 500 and make some more money going forward. I'm going to do a bonus podcast pick this week, so I'm still going to do my five um, my five usual picks. For those who follow me on Twitter, y'all know that I post my um, I post my picks for gambling on Twitter sometime Sunday morning. But um, this week I'm going to give a bonus podcast pick, a six-football pick, entice the the people the Twitterverse to tune into the show and I'm gonna do some UFC stuff as well I'm a big UFC fan and there's a four fighter parlay that I'm gonna play this weekend and I'm gonna share with you guys and I'm gonna give you one fight to watch in the prelims I think you'll be entertained by so that being said let's dive into this week's NFL picks all right first pick of the week really like the Green Bay Packers minus three and a half at our own Houston Texans now why do I like the Packers? They looked terrible, terrible last week against Tampa Bay. I might have predicted the Packers losing to Tampa Bay, getting their first loss of the season. But what did we learn about the Packers last year? 3-0 after losses, meaning Matt LaFleur is a good coach after a loss. And while the Texans' offense has improved without Bill O'Brien being there, the defense is still atrocious. They can't stop anyone. I mean, I don't know what the Texans' defense is doing. The only reason why they held the Titans to 43 points was because of a lucky interception there in the fourth quarter. Um, the Texans' defense is terrible. Aaron Rodgers and co. will get right back on track. And also, the Packers' biggest weakness is defending the run. You saw the the Bucks really take advantage of that last week, and you saw teams take advantage of that last year, namely the 49ers. Um, Packers don't really defend the run very well, but it's not like Houston can run the ball. David Johnson is one of the worst backs in the NFL. Duke Johnson's a guy I like, but he's a pass-catching back. He's not a guy who's going to run in between the tackles, which the Packers' defense actually is fairly athletic. If you run outside runs, they can get to you, but inside, they're not very they're not very strong up the middle. Not like Houston's offensive line is anything to be worried about. Not like David Johnson and Duke Johnson are really going to burn you running up the middle. Don't think the Texans can expose the Packers' biggest weakness. And like I said, the Texans, uh, the Texans' defense, they're not making Rodgers uncomfortable. They're not going to make Aaron Jones uncomfortable in the backfield. Packers are going to be able to they're going to be able to run at will. The play action passing game and that. You know, West Coast, that zone read off that zone run offense, the West Coast offense that Matt LaFleur runs, everything's gonna be open. I mean, outside of JJ Watt, do the Texans even have above maybe Justin Reed? Outside of those two guys, is there an above average player on the Texans defense? I really don't think so. I think the Packers get back on track this week. I do think points will be scored. Houston can put they can put points on the board. Deshaun has looked really good. The two games without Bill O'Brien, but they can't stop anybody. Packers win and cover to three and a half, 38 to 30. All right, moving on to my second pick of the week. Pittsburgh Steelers plus one at the Tennessee Titans. Now we've seen a lot of line movement here. It started at, I believe it was a pick of them at the start of the week. We saw some line movement. Uh, Pittsburgh was actually a point and a half favorite as late as Wednesday. 
And then now, as I'm recording this, it's Pittsburgh, a one-point underdog. Either way, like the Steelers this week, regardless of where the line ends up, as long it kind of is going to stay in that plus one, minus one range, depending on which way you go. Now, take the Buffalo game out of it. Titans have beaten four bad teams in close games. The Broncos, the um, the Houston Texans, the um, the Minnesota Vikings, and, I'm bl- and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Four bad teams to take out the Buffalo game. And are we sure that Buffalo is really all that good also? Secondly, Titans offense, they struggled against the most aggressive and blitzing defense they played, which was the Denver Broncos in their front seven. Pittsburgh is far more talented in the front seven than the Denver Broncos, and Pittsburgh has a much better offense than that team. Also, watch out. Now, I know people are making a big deal out of Devin Bush being out for the Steelers. He's out for the year uh, with a knee injury, I believe. That's a loss for Pittsburgh. But the Tennessee Titans lost their left tackle, Taylor Lewan, a Pro Bowl left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, out for the year with an injury against Bud Dupree, against T.J. Watt. That is really going to hurt them. And Let's also uh, look at this. The Titans' defense is not very good. They allowed 30 points to Jacksonville and Minnesota. They allowed 36 to Houston. This Titans' defense is not anything to write home about. Jeffrey Simmons is back and presumably healthy, but it's not like this Titans' defense is really anything special. They don't, they're don't. they not really good in the back end outside of Kevin Byer. They don't have linebackers that really impress you, and they don't really have an edge pass rusher. And the Pittsburgh offensive line is very good. And don't overlook this. In a, sp- in a one-point spread, kicking game is going to matter in this game, which should be pretty close. Gostowski has been terrible for the Titans. The Titans, actually, per football outsiders, have the worst-ranked special teams unit in the NFL. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers to pull a mini-upset here, winning 28-23. I think Gostkowski misses an extra point and one or two field goals. I think the Steelers are the better team here. It's a bad matchup for Tennessee against that athletic defense. And Derrick Henry, he had trouble running against the Denver Broncos. I think he's going to have similar problems against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but probably even more pronounced like Pittsburgh this week to stay undefeated at Tennessee, a battle of undefeateds, actually. All right, now let's move move to my third pick of the week, Buffalo Bills, minus 10.5 at the New York Jets. Now, it's a big number. Buffalo hasn't been that impressive. I just said I'm not sure exactly how good they are, but – Jets are not only 0-6 this season and the worst football team I've ever seen. They're 0-6 against the spread this year, losing by an average of 18.3 points a game. That's terrible. It's not like they've played the greatest schedule in the world either. The Bills beat them by 10 in Week 1, but that was after two Josh Allen fumbles and a garbage-time touchdown with a minute left in the fourth quarter. Not sure that's replicable this week. And also, Bills need to get back on track after two straight losses. This is a get-right game for them. I believe Sean McDermott is a good coach. I think Josh Allen, while he's not as good as the first four games that he showed, I think he still is a much-improved quarterback. This Jets defense is atrocious. This is a get-right game, and after two straight losses, the Bills will not be overlooking the Jets. They know they need to win this game. They need to distance themselves a little bit from New England and even Miami now, who's only a game back in the division. Bills need this game, and... Like I said, Jets are the worst NFL team I've ever seen. What is their strength, honestly? They're devoid. I mean, is Jamison Crowder their best player? I like Jamison Crowder, but he shouldn't be your best player or even your 10th best player, probably. Jets are the worst NFL team I've ever seen. Not sure they really have. I mean, they don't have many, if really any, above average NFL guys on their team. I think the Bills win and cover easily 34-10. to All right, now moving on to my fourth game of the week. What was going to be on Sunday Night Football now moved to 3 o'clock on Sunday if you are in the Central Time Zone. 
like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus four and a half against the Las Vegas Raiders. I still get can't get used to saying that. Um, seems like a big number. It actually moved up quite a bit during the week when I initially prepared this podcast. Tampa Bay was minus three. That line has jumped quite a bit. Now, why do I like Tampa Bay so much? Well, I know they're only four and two. Per Football Outsiders, though, they're the best team in the NFL. And if you watch them against Green Bay, that really it really looked that way. I think even the loss to Chicago, I said last week on a podcast when I picked Tampa Bay, it was a lot of it was due to self-inflicted penalties. What happened against Green Bay? No penalties from the Tampa Bay side. They, they're coached up now. They know what they're doing on that side of the ball. I think Tampa Bay, they are the best team in the league per the analytics, and my eyes tell me they're the best team in the league as well. And despite their 3-2 and two record, I don't think the Raiders are all that good of a team. I think the Chiefs game was an aberration. I think the Chiefs were sleepwalking through it, and it was the Raiders Super Bowl, quite quite frankly. Um, I really believe that Chiefs game was an aberration for the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Raiders are the second-worst defense in the NFL. That is, I mean, you watch them play, use the analytics, regardless of what you look at. They don't have talent on the defensive side of the ball. They have a young secondary that isn't very good. They don't have a consistent pass rush. Their linebackers are nothing to write home about. This is the second-worst defense in the NFL, and it absolutely is. This team doesn't stop anybody. I don't think they're stopping. They're going to stop a Tampa Bay offense that's getting into rhythm right now. And, like I said, the, the defense is bad. The rush defense is the worst in the NFL. The Raiders cannot stop the run. Ronald Jones has been great the last few weeks, and they're getting Leonard Fournette back. This Tampa Bay offense is coming together. They're only going to get better on offense with all their weapons healthy. They're finally practicing together for the first time this year. Remember, Mike Evans was dealing with a hamstring injury throughout training camp and wasn't practicing before the Week 1 game. Then Chris Godwin went out. Then O.J. Howard went out. He's out for the year, but they had their tight end rotation settled. This offense is healthy and practicing together for the first time all year. Tampa Bay is getting it right. I like Tampa Bay to win 35-20, to easily covering that 4.5-point spread. I think this Tampa Bay team is really, really good. Don't think the Raiders are all that good. The analytics say they're not a very good team, and my eyes tell me they're not a very good team despite what their record says. Love Tampa Bay in this game. All right, my final my final Twitter pick of the week, my favorite game of the week, the Chicago Bears plus six at the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football. Last two years, these two teams have matched up. The Rams have scored six points and 17 points respectively against the Chicago Bears defense. What does this mean? The Bears give them problems on that side of the ball. Whatever the Bears do, whether it's personnel or scheme or whatever it is, it gives Sean McVay and his and his uh, offense problems. Now, second thing, Nick Foles, while not spectacular, he's not an elite quarterback, probably not even an above-average quarterback, if we're being honest, he does make the Chicago offense, at the very least, competent. And the Rams had trouble running the ball against the injured San Francisco front. Um, The Rams' entire offense is based on running the ball. They run the ball to set up play-action pass. If you had trouble running against San Francisco and a very injured front seven that they had, what are you going to do against Chicago with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan? That's a bunch of monsters up there. The monsters in the midway are back. I think the Rams are not going to be able to run the ball very well, meaning it won't set up their play-action pass, meaning it throws off the rhythm of their entire offense. And for a game that is going to be low-scoring, six is too big of a number here. I just don't see how the Rams are going to put up a ton of points if they can't run the ball very well. 
And, I mean, I like the Bears, but it's not like the Bears are really going to be putting up 30 points on anybody, especially a you know a good team like the Rams. I do like the Rams to win here, but six is too big of a number. 17-13, Rams win, Bears covered a six-point spread. All right, this is my bonus podcast pick now. I will not be posting this on social media. For this pick, you got to listen to the podcast, so I commend those who are listening I commend you for listening to the show. Thank you very, very much. I'm giving you a winner right here. This might be my favorite pick of the week, especially at this number. The Panthers plus eight and a half at the New Orleans Saints. Now, why do I like this game so much? Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are out. Saints are without their top two wide receivers. The Saints are not an explosive offense anyway. They're not a team that is really going to they're not an explosive offense. They're not going to get these big plays. The Carolina defense has actually played pretty solid this year. They don't give up the big plays. They make you nickel and dime them down the field. They play within themselves. Also, a lot of familiarity on this coaching staff, the offensive staff for the Carolina Panthers, are OC Joe Brady, former quality control guy with the Saints. They run similar offenses, a lot of familiarity there. This is a, a lot of things going on. I think both teams are very familiar with each other. And... The Panthers don't get blown out. Only They've only lost one game all year by multiple scores. That was against Tampa Bay in Week 2. Saints have only won one game this season by multiple scores, and that was against Tampa Bay in Week 1, coincidentally enough. Um, Panthers don't get blown out. The Saints don't blow people out. And even that Tampa Bay game where they won by multiple scores, there was a couple of Brady interceptions in there, a pick six, um, some short fields in that game. There were some fumbles. A very sloppy game on Tampa Bay's part. First game with a new system, new quarterback. And you have a Saints team with a lot of familiarity. That's somewhat to be expected. Um, Carolina, I'm actually impressed with them and their coaching staff. They don't, I mean, they play their tails off. They don't get blown out. They play within themselves. They know what they're doing. And they play at a slow pace on offense. They run the ball a lot. They try to nickel and dime you down the field. Um, They they try to win the time of possession battle, um, knowing that their offense with Teddy Bridgewater is really not one that, you know, is going to hit a bunch of big plays. They're not explosive. Neither team is really very explosive. Um, neither team's going to pull away in this game, especially the Saints, who are the eight and a half point favorites. At eight and a half, I love this number. That means the Saints have to win by more than a score. I don't think the Saints do that. Um, and especially against a team like the Panthers. The Panthers are, what are they, two and three, three and three? This is not a bad football team. This is a, at the very least, you know. At the very least, a slightly below average team, probably trending more towards an average football team. I don't think the Saints beat them by more than one score. I do think the Saints win 24 to 20. They're coming off a bye. Sean Payton's actually not as good coming off a bye as you think, only eight and seven in his career. Um, I do like the Saints to win here 24 to 20, but I like the Panthers to cover. Um, eight and a half is too big of a number to lay against a team like the Panthers, who are a quality football team. All right, last thing I'm going to touch on on this podcast. Let me talk some UFC on here. My new uh, my new passion, my new favorite sport, maybe the one good thing that's come from the coronavirus is uh, my new love for the UFC. And if you haven't heard, there's a big pay-per-view this weekend involving a fighter who might potentially be the GOAT in the UFC. Khabib Nurmagomedov fighting the American Justin Gaethje, nicknamed the highlight. Um, I'm going to encourage you guys to watch this fight. Just because I've never seen a boring Justin Gaethje fight, uh, probably the most exciting fighter in terms of just fight style in the UFC. And Khabib is potentially the best mixed martial artist that has ever lived. So whenever you get a chance to watch one of the greats and maybe the guy who is the greatest of all time 
at their peak in any sport, I'm always going to encourage you to do so. Now, why am I bringing this up on the podcast? Well, in UFC, I like doing parlays. So I'm going to give you a four-fighter parlay. All these fights are on the main card. Four-fighter parlay that I think is going to hit. Of course I think it's going to hit because I'm telling you guys about it. Four-fighter main card parlay. Uh, first fighter on the parlay, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, in the main event, like I said, might be the best to ever do it. I like him to beat Justin Gaethje. He is just a relentless, tenacious wrestler. Um, his wrestling has never been stopped in the octagon before. I don't think it will start to be stopped um, on Saturday afternoon. This main card actually starts at 1 o'clock Central Time, so not the normal 9 o'clock start time here. But I like Khabib on the main card. Uh, minus 310, he's a large favorite against Justin Gaethje, who's the interim champ in a lightweight division. Khabib, the undisputed champ. Um, second fight I like, it's the uh, co-main event, a featured middleweight bout. A number one contender's fight for the middleweight division. Winner of this fight will... In all likelihood, fight Israel Adesanya, the champion, next. I like Jared Cannonier, a slight minus 118 favorite. Slight favorite, Jared Cannonier over Robert Whitaker, the former middleweight champion. Why do I like Cannonier? Well, Whitaker, he's kind of a brawler. He's not the most technical striker. He does have some speed, but Whitaker's a brawler. Cannonier, a former heavyweight who's lost some weight, gotten his body right. He makes middleweight now 185 pounds. Cannonier, not as fast as Whitaker. But he is powerful. He was knocking guys out at heavyweight. That power is transferred down to middleweight where it is devastating. Also, between the two, even though Cannoneer is a former heavyweight with a lot of power, Whitaker has more speed. But I think Cannoneer is a better technical striker. And Whitaker leaves himself exposed quite a bit. Now, Cannoneer is not at the level of Israel Adesanya when it comes to technical striking. But Jared Cannonier, I believe, is going to be able to touch Robert Whitaker a lot. And with his power, he will eventually put him down. Slight favorite, but I feel really good about Jared Cannonier winning against Robert Whitaker in the co-main event. A uh, featured heavyweight bout of the of the main card is Alexander Volkov, nicknamed Drago uh, from Rocky. Um, nicknamed Drago against Walt Harris, a guy with a great, great backstory of American guy, and I feel a little bad taking the Russian over the American twice in this parlay, but hey, we're trying to make money here, not make friends. Um, Walt Harris, this is a classic, you know, you got your technical guy, you got your guy who's going to touch you up, which is Volkov, nicknamed Drago, versus Walt Harris, who's a big, powerful, athletic guy, not the most technically sound fighter. Um, I think Volkov's just a higher level guy than him. He's a a pretty solid minus 171 favorite. I feel good about Volkov in this fight against Walt Harris. I'm not sure Walt Harris is really going to ever be able to get his hands on him. And neither, neither of these guys are grapplers. Fight's going to stay on the feet. I think that's going to favor Volkov, who's going to be able to hit him with a lot of different stuff. Like Volkov in this parlay, minus 171. And the last fight of this parlay, um, Magomedov Anakalev. Um, not sure I even said that name right. First name, Magomedov, though, minus 305 favorite. Um, the guy he is fighting, let me pull it up right now. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but the last, they fought back in March, I believe, and it was a first-round knockout within the first 30 seconds. Uh, Magomedov is the uh, more highly regarded fighter of the two. He is a ranked fighter, whereas his opponent is not. He is fighting Ion Kutaleba. Uh, good luck saying that name as well. Not going to win any pronunciation trophies with that one. But he's, you know, now he's up to a minus 330 favorite. Uh, Mag Mag Magomed, An Magomed, not Magomedov. Magomed Anka Ankalaev. Man, try saying that name five times fast, Russell. 
Um, but it's uh, I mean, last time these two fought, I believe it was back in March. Magomed knocked him out pretty quickly. Um, combine that with Magomed's a much better wrestler than Kutalaba. Uh, I think that's how we're going to pronounce the last name here. Um, I think that's a pretty easy win, a good fourth fight to add to your parlay. So once again, my four-fighter main card parlay, Khabib, a minus 310 favorite, Cannoneer, a minus 118 favorite, very slight favorite there. Whitaker might be the favorite come fight time. That that uh, The odds on that have moved around quite a bit here on fight week. Alexander Volkov, minus 171, and Magomed Anakalev at minus 305. Love that parlay. Pays out a little over four to one, or one to four, I mean. So if it hits, you'll be making yourself a good amount of money there. Last thing, and I can tell you the bet this fight, but if you just want to see a really interesting matchup on this UFC card in the prelims, it's the it's the last fight of the prelims. Heavyweight fight. You got seven foot Stefan Struve against Tai Tuivasa, who is a bulkier, smaller heavyweight. Watch this for entertainment purposes. You have a seven-footer fighting against a guy who doesn't clear six-foot-two. Um, so for entertainment, watch this fight. Tuivasa, if you want to bet this, Tuivasa, a slight minus-120 favorite. I will not personally be betting this fight. I will be watching it for entertainment's sake only. Although, who knows, by the time the fight starts, I might have placed a bet. I get myself in trouble with that sometimes. Sometimes I make money on it, though. But I'm interested in this fight. Stefan Struve tied to Ivasa. Um, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to start doing college football again next week. Um, it is a uh, lot going on in the life of Gabe Myers right now. But we're going to start doing that again next week. And stay tuned. Not this week, but next week. We'll start again with the Fantasy Football Help Desk. Uh, lots of things happening right now. Thank you for tuning in. Let's make some money this week right here on the Moneyline Podcast. See ya.